Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up to the people. Hello, world. No, it's been a while since we have talked to you guys. The season has wrapped up. Um, our schedules have just been pretty busy. We were finally able to squeeze some time in here, um, but have to start the show off with Thank you guys for rocking with us uh, through the regular season. We appreciate it. Um, some news updates did happen while we were out, so have to send a RIP and our condolences uh, to Sam Weish and his family. Uh, yes, great, sir. great coach. Definitely had that. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati moment that I think will, you know, always be in our thoughts and, and, and minds, but definitely thoughts to his family and uh, definitely – Kudos for having one of the most successful uh, experiences that Bengals fans have ever had. He was a big contributor to that. Obviously, we're going to the Super Bowl. But today, we're going to get into the awards. Um, So if you haven't subscribed uh, to my YouTube channel, be sure to check it out, New Stripe City. If you haven't, follow Zim on Instagram at Zim underscore Huday. Be sure to do that. But today, we're going to do the awards, Zim. Do you want to hold on, hold on, hold on? We have you were talking about news topics. We have a couple news topics up. Okay, go ahead. Let like know that that have happened are. since then. Like a couple of things. That just, I just want to say the Bengals signed a, a a guy named Winston Rose, who I really really believe in. Um, I watched a lot of his tape. He's now a Bengals. He signed a two year deal, so this is not like some practice squad type of thing. But they got him at corner, and that thing that means a lot for Drake Kirkpatrick moving forward, and also with the evolution of Darius Phillips. So keep an eye on that. That's not a small signing to, like, kind of just look over. He led the CFL in interceptions. Um, he's a big-time playmaker. Um, and I think that they just have enough insight where they just feel really good about it. Um, Patriots also were disciplined for um, – uh, or or they, they the league has said in the next two weeks they're going to hand out the actual discipline but they were found guilty of whatever, you know, videotaping the Bengals, everything like that. They've accepted that. Also, Marvin Lewis, in the time being, also interviewed with um, the Dallas Cowboys. He did not get the job. Um, he One of his demands is that he uh, said that he wanted to bring Hugh Jackson in as his offensive coordinator. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, uh, and then also, big, big news, Darren Simmons got a, a contract extension. Um, and one thing I thought that is that from a special team standpoint, we were absolutely uh, on point and probably the best unit, and we'll get into these awards later on, but that was probably the best unit on our whole entire team this uh, this past year, if you want to say that they did anything well at 2 or 14. But um, either way, he got an extension for that. Also, um, what was the last thing? Uh, the linebacker's coach is moved on. His Tim name is Lukabu. Tim yes, Lukabu. He, yeah, I'm now he's gonna. <laughs> Simba Lukabu <laughs> has moved on, <laughs> and he's now the defensive coordinator with Boston College. He's moved on. Um, he was, if you guys don't know, he came on this year. He worked as a linebackers coach, and prior to that, he was with the Packers. All right, let's get into these awards. All right, so uh, award season, people. Let's get it. Let's let's uh first. I'll give you guys, I guess, a rundown of what these awards are. Uh, the first one is most lit. Second one is team MVP. Uh, we have biggest play as an award, uh, underutilized, uh, most improved, uh, biggest loser, game of the year, rookie of the year, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, comeback player of the year, and community service player of the year. 
Um, so, Zem, with all due respect, do you have your list ready? Do you want to go ahead and give your awards out? We're gonna no. We're gonna go one by one. You, we're gonna just. I'm gonna ping. I'm gonna ping pong back and forth off you. We, me and Ace, don't really rehearse too much stuff because we like to keep it organic. So right. we're gonna do this on the fly. We we both have our guys that we pick. Um, we don't know who each other's pick, and I think that gives us the best reactions. And then we'll have some good talking points, I'm sure. But okay, I want to start off. I guess. Uh, what's the first award you want to want to go into? I guess let's get in the most lit because it's lit right now. So we okay. gotta go, we gotta get in the most lit. All right, my award for most lit goes to Tyler Boyd. Not only did he go to a thousand yards again, I feel like in some of the key losses, um, I say key losses in in the key, in the key games that um, he had to be vocal. Uh, games when Brian Finley was in there, he called him out. I felt like he was the most vocal when a big play would happen. When when in doubt, you could go to Tyler Boyd. He he was sixth or seventh in the NFL. I think it ended up in seventh as far as as far as targets. He ended with ninety something receptions. So with his energy, the way he plays on the field, he's a foundational piece. Um, if they move on from AJ Green, that's my guy for most lit. Right, right. I I tend to I could see that. Uh, for me, most lit, like, when I saw this player make plays, it was just like, my reaction was just like, this dude is lit. And that's going to be Auden Tate. And for me, Auden Tate was the most lit because even in a season where we were 2-14, and 14, losing games and stuff, like, just the acrobatic catches that this guy would just make were just, like, jaw-dropping. Like, it was just, like, crazy. So, for me, most lit uh, went to Auden Tate for me. Um, All right. So the, so the next one is team MVP. And them since you went first last time, I'll go this time and then you can go. You know, you uh, don't want to say me. the MVP for last or you just you want to just roll or crank out the big boys right now. I mean, we can crank out. We can crank them out cuz I mean, <laughs> we still got offensive player of the year, rookie of the year. Okay, um, okay. So for me, um the same reasons that you said for Tyler Boyd being most lit, that's why I have to make <laughs> Tyler Boyd the team MVP because he was the most consistent like you said, he stepped up whenever we needed a play. He always had energy. He was always vocal. And for me, that's what made Tyler Boyd the MVP. He really embodied the, the team to me, uh, for me, uh, this year. I think he stepped up, and I think he definitely earned uh, at least a captain status for next season. Team MVP for me is also going to be Tyler Boyd. It's just if Tyler Boyd wasn't so lit and he wasn't so like energized and just the way that he talks like at that game where he's just telling people, I mean, I guess the lit part I could have went with Joe Mixon maybe for my for my uh, most lit, but um, Tyler Boyd just I don't know like that that just is now like it, it, I gotta buy a Tyler Boyd jersey. He's he's my team, he's my team MVP this year. Yes, sir. He, he, so, he did it all. So next we have. The biggest play of the season. Then, what were your thoughts on what was the biggest play of the season to you? There was there was a lot of this is the weird this is the weird thing about it, right? I have two different uh, two different psyches that I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. One of my one of my train of thoughts is okay. The biggest play of the year is from uh from a, a cynical view. I guess looking at it is like. Okay, what is the play that saved us to make sure that we were two or fourteen and that we could get Joe Burrow? And then the fan in me is saying, okay, what is the biggest play? Just like, you know, like rooting for my team. So my biggest play of the year was the shank by Kevin Huber mm-hmm. in the in, in okay. the game that went that went to uh, that went to overtime. In in that same game, my fan. My fandom play of the year is is Andy Dalton in the scene of Tyler Eifer as time expired. But if it yeah. weren't for Kevin Huber, right, I don't think Bengals fans understand this. If we don't lose that game, we're picking number two in the draft, and the Redskins have a brand-new coach. Chase Young didn't show me that much in those last four or five games. I would I would think if I'm the new coach, I want to go down with my guy. I would be picking Joe Burrow at that point if I had the number one pick with the Redskins. And people say, well, they got they already drafted Haskins. Yeah, Haskins can make a damn good backup as far as I'm concerned. If I'm the Redskins, so Kevin right. Huber 
shanking that punt, getting the field position where it needed to be so that um, they could come down and kick the field goal and win the game to beat us is my play of the game. It, it sounds silly, but that was big. And, of course, the Tyler Eifert play, like, just like, you know, it, it just blew my mind how they came back and got into that game. That that was the craziest, crazy season, crazy game, crazy play. Yeah, that that game I think definitely like was a crazy, the craziest game of the season, hands down. Um, Is that the I craziest think, Bengals game you've ever seen? Yes, I'm gonna say yeah, yeah. What about the Redskins overtime game though? The Redskins overtime game, I remember catching. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, not the Redskins, the Panthers. I'm sorry, God man. The, the Panthers, Panthers overtime. overtime game. You don't I, even. All right, so yeah, if um, you don't really remember yeah. it like that, <laughs> you don't remember that. All right, okay. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, for for me, it actually was was the same exact play that you're saying, but I'm gonna go out and just for for material purposes, I'm gonna go ahead and actually give it to the play that happened. I believe, if, if my memory serves me correct, which my memory is horrible, so if it's wrong, it's wrong. Um. The play before that where they had to get to the line where Tyler Boyd, our team MVP, oh, the most yeah. lit man, uh, yeah. was hurt on the play yeah. and uh, was able to actually get up to the line of scrimmage for them to yeah. be able to actually down the ball. Like, if he goes yeah. down and – 10-second runoff, game's yeah, over. Yeah, 10-second runoff, game's over. That play doesn't yep. even happen. So, I'm I'm going to give it to – Tyler Boyd is just racking up the, the awards this season. Good Man, hey, when when you're 2-14 and, you, and, and nobody really did shit – <laughs> right, <laughs> like the one guy that really came to play every single game and was healthy. I mean, he's gonna be rocking them up, I guess. Right. So next we have underutilized. Uh, this was an easy one for me. I'm going with Darius Phillips. Um, Absolutely. We, we talked about on the last podcast how he barely played. Like there were seven games that he barely played in, and ended up leading the team in interceptions. Now some of that was obviously he was. Uh, injured at one point, but still, yeah. even in those games, he was barely playing. So, for me, he wins uh, my underutilized player's award. Uh, them, who was your underutilized player same, award? Same for me. Every every week, I was just wondering when does Darius Phillips come back. Uh, we I kept on mentioning to you, like, we would get into the two-week period where he was eligible to practice. I remember coming on the podcast and just saying, like, okay, he's practicing. Are they going to suit him up? Because, you know, like, from a corner <laughs> position, there's so many unanswered questions that we got to figure out because Drake Kirkpatrick is is on is got all eyes on him like Tupac like right. this all season is big and Darius Phillips answered a lot of questions about that position and he gave the Bengals so much leverage and I love Drake I know a lot of you guys don't <laughs> I love Drake I think I still believe in him I think like the big plays stand out for him. Um, and and that and that's, that that sits in a Bengals um, memory bank, especially when he pays somebody that amount of money. So I don't right. like his contract, but at the same time, like I feel like if you look around the league, he's above average, and a not and a lot of teams like if you're going to make like a Super Bowl type run, you need plenty, you need a plethora of corners, like legit corners, not just drafted corners that you're banking on. Darius Phillips now got his foot wet. Um, yeah, he's he. That's my guy. But well, but but at the same time, he he changed the landscape of the corners for this team. Right, right. So the next award we have is most improved. Zim, who was your award winner for most improved? Most improved. I'm gonna go with. Oh, man, I was gonna go. Let's go. Let's go, Trey Hopkins. Um, it, it, it's not that I didn't think that he was good before, but I think with the Bengals confirming with his contract extension and just his play on the field, the PFF numbers back him up. The play backs itself up. He only allowed four pressures like in in the last like eight nine games or something like that. Something crazy. Um, not that many penalties. Uh, just super solid. Has some weaknesses in the second level. Um, not the greatest center of all time, but to jump from an undrafted, uh, you know, free agent to to this, you know, mm-hmm. you know that 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 would definitely get my most improved. Okay, well, it seems like great minds think alike, but I'm gonna veer off and just to throw 
a fresh name out there. Are you guys listening? I know you guys are listening right now. This is Ace Boogie. You guys know how I feel about this player. I have literally clowned this man for years. <laughs> I have to eat a piece of humble pie, and I have to give most improved. Are you guys ready? To Nick Vigil. Nick Whoa. Vigil. Nick Vigil. I, and, I, and I'm not saying we most need to keep Nick Vigil. But Man. Nick Vigil, I would probably say, is the most improved player that I saw. Like, as soon as Man, we got ready rid of, to cut, you were ready to cut him in week I was, by, like, week I was ready to cut him, like, last year. I didn't even want to draft him. No, no, him. this year. This year you were ready to cut him. I was ready to get rid of Nick Vigil, bro. I was like, <laughs> Nick Vigil, hater. Because, like, what the thing with Nick Vigil was people would be like, oh, he's the next Luke Kickley, and he's just oh, like, no, no. Who said that? No. Tell me where that guy's there located is a so Bengals I can smack his article. <laughs> there is a Bengals article from when, <laughs> I, from when I think, like, Vontez ironically gave him the Luke nickname, and I think oh, it was just because he kind of looked like Luke Vigil, and our fan oh, base just ran with it, and it was just like, this dude is not Luke Vigil at all. Luke Vigil. (laughs) Luke Vigil. My takes cannot always be right. So, hey, Luke, I mean, yeah, Nick Vigil. uh, I will will say this, uh, I got, like, that's on our next show coming up, just to give you guys a sneak preview, we're going to go over keep or, you know, not keep as far as free agency um, in the Bengals roster, and Nick Vigil is, is one of my guys that are at the top of the list. It is a hot topic, so stay tuned for that one. All right. So uh, next, biggest loser. <laughs> <laughs> biggest loser, man. <laughs> get your biggest. I actually got two, so if we say the same thing, which I think we're going to, I got a backup. But, I mean, I'm going to let you have this one. I'm going to throw the alley, and I'm going to just let you oop it real quick. Uh, <laughs> the biggest loser. There's a guy, there's a good friend of mine. Me and him actually just went to the club last week, um, and we had a talk about it. Let me stop joking. I did not I did not go to the club with Andy Dalton. <laughs> but um, I know somebody's going to hear me like, you really thought that? No. I made a joke one time that me and Andy Dalton go to the same Bible study, and people were hitting me up and saying, what church, what church, what service? <laughs> so let me chill out. But Andy Dalton is my biggest loser, Ace, and – if you guys want to know why, just play every single Orange is the New Black podcast and you'll find out. Right. And I, I agree with him. Uh, but for the purposes of this debate, I'm going to give it uh, – I obviously think it's Andy Dalton as well, but I'm going to give it to Billy Price. Billy, Billy Price, Price is the biggest, biggest butt. It's not John Ross. Billy Price is the biggest butt of them all. So if you guys want to join me in my hating uh, of Billy Price, you hey until you, he you shows me what, something. Though? That's until a he, good choice, Ace. Billy Price because he lost. Like what's funny is they asked Billy Price what he thought of Michael Jordan, and he was like, "Yeah, we should draft him." And then Michael Jordan took his job. His job. And the then do you remember when they were about to start? It was uh, it was like going into week one. It was like, yeah, you know, it's good to give guys reps and. You know, like for as, as a backup role, and I'm like, this idiot doesn't even know he's about to be the backup. Right, exactly. But Billy Price, yeah, is yeah, because you you could argue Dalton has made it so with the last like you know people have a short term memory. I was looking at like uh, the trade for Joe Flacco or different things like that, and and the board shows me that Dalton should be getting a third round pick for him based on his last um, game. So maybe Dalton comes out the biggest winner if he resets himself and comes out, you know, and does well for the Colts or comes out and plays for the Panthers or something like that. Maybe Dalton rebounds and becomes the biggest winner. But as of right now, um, he's the biggest loser, but it actually made us the biggest winner with Joe Burrow. The next award, game of the year. Ace, who you got? Oh, Bengals Dolphins. I mean, we almost kind of like, we kind of sported Bengals Dolphins. Man, have you ever had a game live up to its hype like that? Like we hyped that all year. Like this is the the the. Some people call it the Bungle Bowl. Some people call it the Tank Tankathon or whatever you want to call it. The the Tua Bowl or something. Yeah, the Tua until Bowl. He got hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, then it was the happened? Burrow Bowl. And, and, and in that game, it lived up to his name because at the for the most part, it was two bad teams playing each other. Uh, Bengals looked like complete trash for three quarters. The Dolphins looked like trash, but it was, it was like. 
it was easy for them. Like, it, it, that was the only game I feel like the Bengals that looked like they gave up. And then all of a sudden we had this craziness of that. That was my favorite stream, too, because, like, I got everybody up. We did a bonus coverage, and I did it live from the car, and I had a good reaction. I posted it on my page. If you don't know, guys, my name is Zim underscore Hude on Instagram. Follow uh, Ace at New Stripe City on Twitter and Instagram. But that is our that is the game of the year for me too, Bengals and Dolphins. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Nice. Welcome back to Orange is the New Black, uh, the podcast. We just talked about what we thought was the game of the year. But the next award is Rookie of the Year. And I'm definitely uh, eating some crow on this one. But for me, it was Jermaine Pratt. Uh, Obviously, Jonah Williams didn't play this season. Uh, but outside of outside of Pratt, there really wasn't many rookies that really made an impact for me. And Jermaine Pratt, to me, was kind of like a second-half guy that just really stood out. Like, ever since we got rid of Preston Brown, he really emerged and started to get some snaps and definitely made his impact felt. Zim, who is your pick for rookie of the year? I was <laughs> same, same. Yeah, I mean, uh I've I've been banging on the table for Pratt. That was one of my – I had him as my fifth-rated linebacker. There's some other linebackers that I wish we would have got, like Ben Burkhurvin, and it's it's a a good list of people, but Pratt I had as my number four. I thought he was drafted at a perfect spot. And at the end of the draft, I saw him – I thought picking up uh, Ronnie Anderson and uh, Travion Williams uh, back-to-back, I thought that was also, like, pretty sweet too. Jonah Williams was like a – you know, like that was just a guaranteed pick. Everyone hates the uh uh Drew Sample pick. Uh, even, even if he would have played every single game, it's just the value of getting him in the second round, it would have been hard for him to get a rookie of the year on this Bengals roster with the tight ends that we have ahead of him. Um he wouldn't have ever had like a a a, a big time role early on. And he's just a and he's a blocking tight end. I mean well, I did a, a video on that pick. I did not like the sample pick, but it it just rubbed more salt in the wounds when DK Metcalf just went off this past weekend, and we yeah. drafted him before him. That just was kind yeah. Of- it, think think about what we would be looking at from an AJ Green perspective. You would have Auden Tate, you know, for the low. You would have DK Metcalf on a rookie contract deal. You could walk on from Ross and AJ Green. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have this pressure. Because my biggest fear, I, I'm sorry I'm getting a little off topic, off topic, is yes, I want Joe Burrow, right? But you know my biggest fear that I keep on waking up um, every morning thinking this? How Imagine them getting Joe Burrow and, the, and they say, hey, Joe Burrow, how you doing? Nice to meet you, man. We're going to do some outstanding things. And then he looks over and he says, all right, well, who's the running back? We don't know because Joe Mixon probably is about to hold out. And then A.J. Green, who, who all right, he'll say, who's my number one wide receiver? We don't know. We don't have A.J. Green under contract. So it's, it's those are the two things that could mess this whole thing up. When people want to look at the detriment of a first-round quarterback or different, you know, things like that, it's like not getting the line solidified, which I think they'll do this all season, surprisingly, and um, not, na- and not nailing down this running back and wide receiver thing. But when you mentioned D.K. Metcalf, yeah, you could you could yeah, you will walk from AJ Green at this point. Right. Right. So the next one, uh we got it looks like four awards left. The next one is offensive player of the year. Zim, who was your offensive player of the year? I'm going to mix it up and instead of Tyler Boyd, I'm going to go with Joe Mixon. I just feel like his impact in the second half of the season it just was too great uh at the at you know like he always says at the end of the day. At the end of the day, uh, it just – you can see what a legit running back can do for this offense. I mean, he that that's my pick. Although, 
the numbers will probably suggest Tyler Boyd. I still got to go Joe Mixon on this one just because I just feel like the impact, how he can control a game ever since we left London, it just changed the whole team around. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. It was definitely Joe Mixon for me as well. Uh, you look at what he did after the slow start and just his willingness to will the Bengals into games this season um, at different points. And then you also talk about the Patriots game where he just takes off on that that defense that's pretty, pretty decent against the run, but he just explodes against them. Um, and not only that, he got better. Uh, from a pass blocking standpoint, there used to be a weakness in his game. He kind of improved in that area. And when he wasn't making plays on the ground, he also tried to make some plays through the air with, with uh, receiving touchdowns and just long receptions and, and stuff like that. Um, defensive player of the year. I, I went with a guy by the name of Carlos Dunlap that early on this season, them said we should get rid of. But I still, me, I still, and I still feel like that. But for me, <laughs> but for me, it's Carlos Dunlap. I think uh, Joe Goodberry tweeted this out on uh, on Twitter, but he showed like the last decade for Carlos Dunlap, and this last year was I don't know if it was his highest, but it was one of the highest, or if not the highest, uh, PFF grade that Dunlap has had. I've never seen Dunlap in elite status on PFF. This was my first year seeing that. Um, and for him to start out the season with what, like two sacks, two sacks mm-hmm. all the way up, and then to just go on this crazy tear and end the season with ten sacks for me, it was Carlos Dunlap. Like hands down, I don't think that there was anybody on the defense close. Even my guy Dino, I I feel like Carlos Dunlap had they had had they had given like. It to end week 17 for Pro Bowl votes. I think that Carlos Dunlap will be going to the Pro Bowl. Uh, but in my he opinion, could he could still be an alternate or something, right? And still go, right? Maybe. I think so I think so, but I think at the time when when they kind of decided on it, it was like right during or in the middle of his little run that he went on that was just crazy. Okay, me condensing this as much as possible. I'm going to go with you as well. Although Carlos Dunlap, for what I'm looking at in the future, just still does not make sense to me. And the number one thing that you'll see when you look at Carlos Dunlap throughout all of his tenure as a Bengal is inconsistency taking plays off. I know, remember, I went back and watched that Bills game, the big Josh Allen play that ultimately sealed the deal and the Bills win the game, and I'm praising Josh Allen for quarterback play. I take a look at that play, Dunlap is walking on that play. Players were mad after the game. I, re- I talked to a couple players, and somebody mentioned that to me like twice. And I was like, let me go look. So there was a couple plays where he just was taken off early in the season. I don't know what happened to motivate him. But, yes, he ended up being my defensive player of the year. Not saying too much coming from a 2-14 team. If somebody came and offered a high third or a second round low, whatever, I'd still take it. I couldn't do it. I could not do it because the, the, age, the only the, the only reason why work. the only reason why is um, for a big part of the season Carlos Dunlap was was hurt. Like once he was out, him and Carl Lawson. Like when those guys were out, it was just no pass rush at all. Like that's that's what really spurned the Chase Young lovers was mm-hmm. once him and Carl Lawson were banged up. Like you had zero rush. And for me, one thing that I may actually go back on, since we talked about Trey Hopkins being the most improved and I gave it to Nick Vigil, I might I might dabble in thinking about Sam Hubbard possibly getting it too because Sam Hubbard ended the season with eight and a half sacks. Um, but I guess that's already set in stone. But I just I'm, feel I'm, like – I'm going to tell, tell you who – oh, go ahead. I just feel like Los and Lawson, like when you got those two, like, I feel like they feed off of each other. Like, Sam Hubbard, too. Like, when you have those three cats together, it's like they just feed off of each other. So, like, for me, if we were to get rid of Dunlap, I just don't have faith in, like, whoever the Bringles would bring in after that. Like, who who are they going to sign? Like, unless they would have did the smart thing like we did last year or what they tried to do last year with getting a Shaquille Barrett or something like that. Like, I just don't know – what they would do to replace, like, a cornerstone that's the strength of your team, which is a defensive line. Uh, well, not of your team, but of your defense. 
I guess is the best way to say it, because it seemed to me like when the defense kind of turned it around, they kind of thrived off of off of that defensive line. And it was, in my opinion, it was kind of led by Dunlap because Geno, although he, we've talked about Geno at length, I will say that he took a step back this season. I can't say the same about Lowe's. I, at first I was going to say it, and then it was like Lowe's just like got in his bag and turned up this last like five or six games was just a crazy tear. I think they said on another podcast that he was like near the lead league in sacks for like the last, I don't know. Yeah, and, 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 pre- and pressures. And pressures. He and was the like, other thing is he wasn't just good against the, uh, he wasn't pass. just good against the pass. He was good he against was the He was great run. against the run all year. All year he was great against the run. Right, right. It, it, uh, it, it's a good conversation. Maybe we could have another great debate on Dunlap like we did on uh, Geno Atkins. If you guys don't know, Orange is the New Black Podcast, uh, me and Ace Boogie. We talked about this earlier in the season where we went through this debate on keeping Geno, and I'm 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 anti-Geno, he's pro-Geno, and I'm anti-Dunlap, uh, because what I look at is the success window. And I think uh, Ace ultimately, I don't want to speak for him, but I think ultimately he just looks at, like, does that, like how good is that player and what does it mean for the history and the, in, and the impact of the player. But I'm, I'm, nah, nah, I'm really nah. looking at this window of success, believe. the window. By the time they start winning, there's right. no way that Carlos Dunlap is going to be playing like that. I just believe, I just believe, and I think you kind of come around to this as well. I think Joe Burrow can make this team like better than it was before. Like, and what's and what's the benchmark for? Wait, better, when you right? say before, the what do you mean? 2015. The benchmark for better with this team is a playoff win. Like that's the that is the ceiling. Like that's nuts to me, right? Because technically. We could troll out Joe Burrow next year, right, with this team and not mm-hmm. be as talented as 2015 or 2013, but still get a playoff win. So, I don't know. So are you telling the people that are listening right now, Joe Burrow's going to win a playoff uh, game year one? What I'm saying is this. <laughs> what I'm saying is this. I'm not going to guarantee that yet because, you know, I don't want to jump out the window. But I have seen that this team has the talent. And I have seen other teams get a boost of what happens. Like, you talk about Josh Allen, right? Let's talk mm-hmm. about Josh Allen. Let's talk about – I mean, the Houston Texans were – But the bill, but, but the, the, but the Bills defense, defense wins championship guy would kill me in a Josh Allen argument, and he would win. Because that is an example of a defensive team, like, really being the spearhead of them winning. And Josh Allen only has to – we saw that when he played the Bengals. He only has to – to to come up with two touchdowns he, a game. That's I, and a I'm rant. not a huge and I'm not a huge I'm actually probably viewed as a Josh Allen hater. But you gotta admit that puncher's chance of that ninety ninety seven yards he had on the ground, like that's the different dynamic that he brings. But I but what I what my point really is is that when you bring in a new quarterback, that can do a lot of things. Like I'm not saying that we're gonna go to the playoffs and win. But I wouldn't be surprised if we got a new quarterback with an already talented team and we add to that team and we make moves enough to improve to the point of winning a wild card game. Like, it's, like really think about that. Right? I, I, I go like, from 2 and 14 to that, that, yeah, I'm really thinking about it. That's a big stretch. It, it, had they won five games, yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, you're right, Ace. But go 2 and 14 to a wild card win. It could happen, but the chances of that are probably like three well, percent. So it's, it's not gonna happen, right? Look what happened. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it won't happen. I'm just saying the chances of that happening are so far and few in between. It's like ridiculous. Like it's a probably a three percent chance. Not to me. Like if we were a team like the the Miami it, Dolphins and we mm-hmm. didn't have talent and we had like a bunch of big holes, like we only have like we don't have anybody going to the Pro Bowl and we're just a super young team with no experience. Then yeah, I'd be like, nah, like that's not happening. But but like, but but look, but look at the Dolphins though. It's funny you pointed that out. They just manufactured five wins with that team, right? And they got right. all those draft picks. Even right. if they just came in and got Tua, and let's say Tua was healthy and he just went, yeah, you could sell me on a on a playoff for them like off the gate. Because if right. they were able to take that same roster, play that hard, and manufacture five Ws. Then hell yeah, they could do that with a legit this is, quarterback. This is what I'm gonna say. We got two wins, right? But we mm-hmm. had seven losses of one score or less. 
if Joe yeah. Burrow is there, that's seven wins. That's nine and seven. You can make the playoffs nah, at nine and seven. But you're only looking you can at make the pro angle, though. Seven. You're only looking at that pro angle. No, right. I'm looking at they, it from they, a realistic perspective. No, no that's rookies, not real. That's not how many, real. How many rookies can step in with a thousand, thousand, uh, Thousand-yard wide receiver and Tyler Boyd. There's plenty of situations where rookie quarterbacks don't step into that. What other rookie quarterback steps into a first-round tackle in Jonah Williams from last year that didn't play this year but will be there next year? What what uh what rookie steps into a situation where you have a Joe Mixon that you can lean on that's a top-five running back in the NFL? What rookie quarterback steps into an innovative coach in Zach Taylor, who's a young offensive mind that has molded different quarterbacks like Jared Goff has worked under Sean McVay? Like, that's that's a really good situation to come into. And we're not even talking about if A.J. Green comes back, John Ross, like all of these guys that yeah. play. And you, and you said third. it. But look at the talent. You said though. it. Like, Wait till we get into this free. Wait, wait till we get into this free agent show that we're going to do in a couple of days, Ace, and I'll show you exactly why. Because in order, it, th- this is the scenario that everybody was going through last year. It's like you got this perfect formula, and we know. I, I think I'm gonna think positive or anything like that. But all these people that you're saying, Joe Mixon is about to do a holdout. That's that's happening. So that's first and foremost. So you're banking on the Bengals signing this guy and being there, which I think they will do. But all of these different chips have to fall in the place that you want them to fall for that to happen, or we're just bragging to people about the uh, talent of not, – Not to me, because we, we talk about that, – that So you're first, confident that Mixon's going to get a deal and he's going to be ready to go. My first original point is this. What is the difference between the 2011 Colts and the 2012 Colts? Just answer that. A quarterback. They went 2-14. They went two and fourteen the year before. Okay. They kept literally the same roster. They might have even have gotten rid of Dwight Freeney. I think Dwight Freeney might have been gone. Right. They went eleven and five and went to the wild card the next year just because they had a different quarterback. Like quarterbacks to me in this league can change your team, in my opinion. Like I'm not saying that he's gonna be Andrew Luck, but I'm saying like if you had the right quarterback in those games, like the Bengals were in this year, and that's the other thing, like, yeah, they won two games, but they were in all of those games. Like, okay. there really was only a handful of games that they weren't in, and we all know what the X factor was. When we played Colin Murray, what was the X factor? Quarterback. When we played any of these teams that we lost to, Josh Allen, as much as we want to talk all the stuff about Josh Allen, he outplayed Andy Dolan. Like, all of our but, losses, but, for real, we got right, outplayed but, by quarterbacks. This is the point that I, I'm trying to tell you. You're only looking at it with Bengals blinders in this regard. I believe in Joe Burrow just as much as you do. Everyone knows I'm a Burrow baby to hand-to-hand. Like, I, that's my guy. I feel like that's the future. We're not disputing that. I'm not disputing any of the talent, anything that you're saying. My thing to you is that you're looking at it like this. Do you know out of all the 9-7 and seven teams or the teams or, like, let's take the Bills, you know how many games that they had that were close that they ended up on the on the winning side of it, and, and some of them they go on the losing side. You took the seven games that we were close at and said, yeah, we win all of those games. So that's, that's, that's why I'm saying you're putting Bengals blinders on that. And the seven games that were super close, that's not seven Ws. That's split, let's split it by having Joe Burrow. Let's, being realistic, you say, yeah, we win four of those and lose three of those. Now you're right. six and ten. That's what I'm saying. But in, in aside from that, the Colts uh, comparison that you gave, that's a better run franchise at that moment, better coaching at that moment than what we currently have. And they weren't scared to – and, and you're, you're not factoring this. The Bengals are about to turn over probably about 50% of the starting roster. People that you're naming like William Jackson III, he could go on the trade block as much. Like throughout this whole season, he looked super disinterested. He went on the IR early. They put Drake Kirkpatrick mm-hmm. on the IR early. There's a right. lot of question marks there that you're banking on that I believe in a lot of these guys. But right. there, there, there's there's something to be said about William Jackson going on the IR early, not really looking that good for a lot of these games, looking pretty good for a good amount of them, and these disinterested players that didn't play above and beyond. Is William Jackson what we thought he was? Like, is Joe Mixon going to 
sign are the Bengals going to pony up the money for? Because it's holdout season for him. He's going into his fourth year. This is holdout time for running backs. If the Bengals are smart, they'll pay, they'll pay him. But they might look at the landscape of running backs and say, no, we're not going to pay him. You know what uh, I'm saying? I mean, I mean, running back get hurt at 27. What does the holdout do? What did it do for Melvin Gordon? Like, Melvin Gordon what did was it in do the for same Zeke situation. Elliott? What did it do for Zeke situation. Elliott? What did it do for Zeke? I mean, Zeke got paid, but I mean that's the Cowboys. The Cowboys aren't going to. So you not... think Joe? You think a, a, a guy named Joe Money Mixon? <laughs> Joe <laughs> Money Mixon. Hold... You think a guy? I mean, Twitter, he can hold it out. He can hold Joe out, Money but, Mixon. But this is my thing. Joe Mixon is passionate about playing football. Joe Mixon is not going to sit on the sidelines and like wait for a check and like not play football. Like when you mm, look at Joe Mixon, he embodies football like if you guys if you're listening to this right now i want y'all to google when joe mixon was in a room with melvin gordon ezekiel ellie and that holdout conversation was there and they were playing xbox google that now if you're listening to it then you come back on this podcast and you tell me what joe mixon's about to do i mean i don't know i feel like that that's neither here nor there but to me like are you that's important do the Le'Veon bell thing like how many people go to Le'Veon bell route like melvin gordon tried it last year and it didn't work so is Joe really going to sit out for, what, eight or nine games and then come back anyway? Like, yeah, Joe Mixon is going to I don't know, I, I don't know what his gonna, plan is, but I bet to, you he's going to hold out if the Bengals don't come with a contract. But, I mean, what does that do? What leverage does that really give you? Like, well, if, if, you he, if, he, out, if he's smart, he knows that Mike Brown isn't going to play that. If his, free, if his agent tells him some misinformation and says, yeah, hold out and maybe they'll trade you, He's got it. He's got it all messed up. They're holding out so that they can get traded to a team like Bill Belichick, who's saying that Mixon is one of the best players in the league. Who Tom Brady's sending jerseys to? You see well, what I'm we're saying? We're talking about Mike Brown. Mike Brown. Like, but I'm just saying that the into, writing's on the wall. If you he, get into but, a pissing contest with Mike Brown, you're not gonna win. Does like, Joe Mix, does, does Joe Mixon know that? I think anybody that knows the Bengals know that. Agents know that. Like, there's no way they're going to sit up there and be like, yeah, bro, hold out. Because, you know, the same thing that happened to Carson Palmer can happen to you. The only reason Carson Palmer was even traded was because Hugh Jackson had a relationship with Mike Brown. If it was up to Mike Brown, Mike Brown would have let Carson Palmer retire and just sit there and have a staring contest at him to be like, you're not going to tell me what to do with my team. You look at any situation where a player has came at Mike Brown, it has not ended ended well at all, in my opinion, from what I've seen. Okay, what, like, t- today that you guys are listening to this, whatever, y'all remember, a lot of people say that I, I, I predict some things. Write this down. Joe Mixon will hold out. Don't care what you think. He might end up coming. He might end up playing. He might just do it just because his agent's telling him to do it. He doesn't – just pay attention to the interviews. Pay attention to the writings on the wall. He's going hard as he can at the end of the season, gets 1,000 yards, builds up his resume, goes crazy at the end of the thing, goes and has an exit interview that says, I want to be a Bengal for life. The ball's in their court. He's saying that over and over in his exit interviews on his last days at Paul Brown Stadium. He's telling them right then and there, y'all need to give me this contract because I'm not playing on my fourth year of my rookie deal. That's what that's that's all that is. And if they right. don't play ball, which we both agree, they they probably won't play ball. Then Joe Mixon is looking at he could sit there and do the Melvin Gordon thing, or he maybe they, somebody like the Patriots give him an offer that Mike Brown can't refuse. Maybe the Bengals say, you know what? Yeah, we don't value running backs at that level, which I don't either. Um, and, and they and they make the trade. So you're banking on a lot of stuff that's like I'm, I'm not say, though. I'm, 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 I'm telling I'm telling though. you right now, Joe Mixon is holding thing. out, and the if he ends thing. up if he plays Week One. That okay. might happen, but, but he's still going to hold out. But if I were a better man right now, Joe Mixon is suiting up for the Bengals next season. Like, whether he holds out or not, he's going to be there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I, I was I'll a better man, I'd say that. But this, that is, this, this is my thing, too. Not only did the coach do it with a quarterback change, the Chiefs did it, too. The Chiefs did it in 2012. They went 2-14 in 2012. They went to, they went 11-5. I'm not even saying the Bengals are going to go 11-5. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that. I, now, 9-7, and seven, I think they could do with a new quarterback given the talent that they have now. That's the only reason I say that. Now, if we were a team like, I don't know, the Carolina Panthers, where it's like all you got for real is like the running back there and like 
I can't really name your receiver. But, DJ but, Moore but, is but, cool, but 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 like, but you're really you're saying that like, from a Bengals perspective, though. You're saying that from a Bengals. A Panthers fan people, is a Panthers fan people, is going to tell you DJ Moore is better than Tyler Boyd. A Panthers fan is going to analysts that think the Bengals have a talented roster. Like I listen to stuff all the time, and they'd be like, "Well." That's a great place for Joe to go because their roster isn't bad. They don't. They only need a few pieces. They really only need this and that. Like they're not a. They're not a team that has a gang of holes. Yeah, I I, I disagree. I think they do have. I a feel gang like of holes. linebackers. Feel, linebackers. Yeah, I I agree. With I that. feel like linebackers. every position is a hole on this team, but that's not to say that they're they're like I'm not. I agree. I, the talent is there, and I love this squad. But if you're comparing it team to team, yeah, they might have a better roster than the Panthers, but by how much? Like, you, the corners like Bradbury that's about to be a free agent, I'd rather have him than Drake Kirkpatrick. You know, like, that's one of the free agents that I've I've outlined coming up this season. Uh, if you're looking at the running back position, that's a better running back. Like, you could go through each position and say there's a lot of talent there, too, but because we're Bengals fans, we're looking directly at the players that we know a little bit more intimately than others. I think DJ Moore is better than any wide receiver on our roster. But I think if you put somebody like Tyler Boyd anywhere, he's going to be good. You put Joe Mixon anywhere, he's going to be sure. good. Hell, you put John Ross somewhere, he might be better. Like, I, 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 I want, I, I want. This is what I, I want Ross to go on the team. I just want to see that. I just want to see that, just for like video game purposes. I just want to see John Ross on the Chiefs. Nicole Hardman, I mean, Nicole Hardman, uh, 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 Tyreek Hill, and John Ross, the fastest three guys in the league all on one team. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it's not that I think that the Bengals are, like, one of the most talented teams in the NFL. I just feel like they have they have stuff there. Like, like another example, the Chargers, right? Chargers went 5-11. and 11. If the Chargers mm-hmm. got a new quarterback there, like, they will be a much better team. Like, even the Titans, we just saw them switch to Ryan Tannehill. Titans had a solid team. They've always had decent players around there. They just didn't have the right uh, – they just didn't have the right quarterback. And to me, like, when you get the right quarterback in there, it can it can do a lot for your team. Now, with the LJ era kicking off and all of that, don't get me wrong, I don't see it really, like, doing much for us. But I don't know. I just don't think it's too far-fetched to be like, if the Bengals get a better quarterback and Joe Burrow goes off and has like a Dak Prescott rookie year, which isn't amazing, just is throwing like two interceptions throughout the year, I think the Bengals would easily make the playoffs. Like I, I think I, if he did that, I think that they could make the playoffs. I I think I think the Bengals are two years away from making the playoffs, and I think the main reason is because a lot of these different things that we're just getting average play from the the defensive line and the offensive line, we're just getting average play at. If that got I to can, a, I, I can get that. Yeah, if, I got if, especially the offensive line, and we're talking about a rookie quarterback. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's going to be a candidate for rookie of the year. I just think they're two years away, and that's why right. Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins. That's this is how we ended up in it. If you guys are listening to this, <laughs> this this is how we ended up to this thing. We're going to circle this thing back and get to our next award in the goddamn show. But right. but at the end of the day, the, the reason we got to because I'm thinking about the window of success. Joe Mixon, to me, falls in that window. I think he should be there moving forward. Carlos Dunlap, two years from now. Geno Atkins, two years from now. I think I roll the dice and take a second-round pick, third-round pick for either one of them dudes right now. That's just me personally, and it may not even pan out, but I like the prospect of a 21-year-old versus a guy that's inconsistent throughout the year didn't do much for eight weeks and then turns it on for eight weeks. I, I just rather that than a like in an aging guy. Carlos Dunlap on any team in the playoffs in a rotation absolutely is phenomenal. But as a foundational piece, as I'm working with a 32 year old or something on the on the edge or whatever as a foundational piece, and I know I'm not going to win for two years from now. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no. Um, so back to the awards. Comeback player of the year. I'm going with Tyler Eifert. Come back. That's my guy. Same thing with him. Do you and, think Tyler Eifert is going to be back next year? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I don't so. Think they, so. They, they're paying too many people. They're going to pay Stephen Carter. They're going to pay uh, – You. they already pay Uzama, Drew Sample. They'll probably go get another tight end. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Eifert is going to be there anymore. But I'm, I'm so happy for him because that's, like, one of my favorite players. But that is my comeback player of the year. 
Uh, and then community service player of the year, I had to give it to Geno Atkins. Um, past couple years, he's done this, I think, 10 days of Christmas where he goes out and he helps those in need. Um, people are able to, you know, write him, and he's able to hear these stories and decide to do something special for, for uh, these individuals. So I have to give it to, to Geno Atkins for his 10 days of Christmas for community service player of the year. Um, I'm going to give mine and, – and... I, I, a lot of times we don't know all the things that all these guys do and everything. Like Andy Dalton's foundation raised a ton of money. Like, uh, you know, you could argue like, hey, what he did with his foundation and, and, the, and um, the different things that they did were phenomenal as well. I'm going to go with my guy, uh, Darquez Denard. Uh, he started up a foundation called the Denard Difference. His a representative had reached out to me at some point in the season. I like what they did. They were doing some stuff for some low-income housing people, uh, actually building some places for people to live at, and I thought it was an awesome idea and uh, direct results where you're actually seeing people, like, get shelter over their head. Um, but if you guys get a chance, it's called Denard Difference. Um, he has a couple of different events. They had a bowling event where you could bowl with Bengals uh, players last week. Um, I'm not in Cincy, so I wasn't there. But uh, every time he did, you know, did something, I always uh, I, I got a chance to check it out, like, firsthand just because they would kind of send me emails and stuff like that. So I guess that just really stuck out to me. But tons of people, Gio Bernard, there's so many guys that do some really good stuff. You talk about Dunlap. He Dunlap does a, a anti-bullying campaign that to this day is like – I've talked to a parent that uh, messaged me on Instagram and told me that, man, it impacted her child so much. So these guys right. are doing phenomenal stuff. Yeah, and I don't think that, you know, there's this award this award can go to one person. It can go to any Bengal that's willing to really help out in the community and make a difference like Andy Dalton, Gino, Dunlab, Darquez, anybody that's making a difference with that money because they don't necessarily have to. All right. So with that said, that is our first annual Orange is the New Black award show. Uh, we got off topic somewhat talking about the future of this team. <laughs> and I that is my you, fault. That is our, our, our I next, about that. No, but that's good. That's good podcasting right there. And these people are going to love you for that. And they, and I want your feedback. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit my man Ace up at New Stripe City. Hit me up at Zim Hooday on Twitter. If you want to just comment, talk about it, we're going to post the link from the show. But our next show is going to be a doozy. Ace is already looking into this stuff. I'm looking into it. We're going to look at people um, staying on the team, people going out. I'm going to show Ace why it's going to be a 50% uh, roster turnover for as far as starters go. We're going to talk about uh, free agents that we want to keep, versus, like Brandon Wilson, uh, Josh Tupile, Brandon Wilson, Trayvon Henderson. Uh, what do we do with Drake Kirkpatrick? Um, I also started looking at cornerbacks. Uh, I want to know you guys want Byron Jones from the Cowboys, uh, Roby from the Texans. There's so many different things. Um, I want you guys to also look at teams that are in the playoffs and they're free agents because we want winning pedigree players that we're signing, and we're going to be looking at realistic situations, and I can't wait to talk about free agency um, with this team, who, which I think they will be really uh, – I'm not going to say really active, but more active than what they have been. So – that's something, that's another guarantee I'm going to have this, um, coming up this year is that they are going to do a little bit more activity in free agency this offseason. I've yes, been told sir. by that somebody in the building, so I'm excited about it. Yes, sir. And we are out. Who day? Who day?